0: Hello and welcome to Parking Thought, the show where we highlight the good in the world, from the extraordinary to the everyday. You're gonna wanna like and subscribe wherever you find us. Curiosity meet gratitude. My name is Jacob and I'm glad you're here today. This edition is coming to you from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, because only crazy people drive from their nice warm houses in Boise, Idaho to Lethbridge during the wintertime, and I happen to be one of those people. It's a balmy 17 degrees Fahrenheit out today. I got the car warmed up. I'm still using the car as my recording studio, and this is a fun episode to have out there and to make. All right, this episode, we're going to cover a few different topics. We're going to title it YouTube Banning the Blockchain. We're also going to do a Curiosity Spotlight. And before we start off with all of that, it's the end of the year, so you're going to see a lot of end of the year things going going on throughout the media that you consume. And so we've decided that for this week, we're going to give ourselves fake end-of-year awards, as if this podcast had earned an award. So today we have earned, or we're pleased to announce that we have earned the Herkimer Diamond Award. Yes, the prestigious and totally fictitious Herkimer Diamond Award was given to this very humble podcast, right, as part of its 2019 debut year. It's a great honor to have this award. Those of you who are unaware, the Herkimer diamond refers to a quartz crystal that was found in Herkimer County, New York, back in the day and got an interesting nickname. Now, on to the big meat of this episode, let's talk about YouTube banning blockchain. That's a catchy title because there's only so much space I can put on the thumbnail. What YouTube actually did is they didn't ban the blockchain. What they did is they updated their algorithm. So YouTube, we need to remember that YouTube was not destined to become what it is today. They've had to learn and make lots of choices along the way to be able to become what they are which is by far the most predominant video consuming you know service that's out there now there are some competitors out there there's TikTok that's definitely one to watch out there and there's definitely Vimeo right which has a different pricing model for how it distributes content YouTube though right now is king they did not end up that way or they did not um start off that way they weren't starting off and destined to become king. They ended up becoming that way. And how did they do it? Well, they did that by a bunch of small changes, right? Remember we've talked before, right, that the three basic parts of any system are flow, towards business value, right? Feedback, and then continuous learning, right? Flow, feedback, and continuous learning. And what those three things allow YouTube to do is to be able to grow. And they not only did flow, feedback, and continuous learning like at six months intervals, they did them almost daily or multiple times a day. I don't have full insight into how many times they do this, but I know that they do. What that means is they push out code that continues to update. So that way they can live in the world that they're creating, in the environment that they're creating. Flow, feedback, continuous learning, apply. Flow, feedback, continuous learning, apply, right? And they just keep going through those iterative cycles. That means that even though we had holidays, they were still going through those cycles to be able to learn more and do more. And one of the areas that they decided to make an improvement on was the way that they manage content about cryptocurrency. Now, what is cryptocurrency? Well, let's talk about how um, So let's talk about cryptocurrency a little bit here and and this is a brief very basic introduction, right? You might have heard of Bitcoin before, right? The idea behind a cryptocurrency is the same way that your dollar bills have a serial number. And this is so basic, I'm actually intentionally getting some parts of it wrong, right? So if you are a crypto expert, this is not designed to insult you in any way. This is just designed for the regular listeners who might not be aware of what cryptocurrency is to be able to explain it to them, right? So so here's how this works. Your dollar bill has a serial number on there. Well, what would happen if you could generate, all right, right very very unique Dollars or items, right? And then be able to have the um, information about where those dollars or items are transacted on the internet shared publicly, right? So if I just knew serial number A and serial number B and wallet A and B, right, and the money went from wallet A to wallet B, that's kind of how blockchain works. And I know I totally butchered that, but imagine for yourself that you have um, you have this uh, currency that is created digitally, right, through something called mining, and then it's exchanged over wallets, and And the wallets are no different than the wallets that you and I have, except for that they're digital, right? The other beautiful thing here is that all of the information about what value transacts between anybody on that network is saved by the entire network, right? So it's called a blockchain, right? The blockchain is the underlying technology that makes it a distributed ledger. So it's kind of like if you were to have a record of all the transactions that Walmart makes in a month, right? And you were to publicize that, but you were to keep the information about, you know, all the people who are buying stuff, you know, private. Blockchain kind of works like that. I'll link to another video below because I'm obviously butchering this. Anyway, there's a lot of other people who spend their time on YouTube and are really popular discussing blockchain and what happens and what happens when you have a new currency. I mean, we live in a world, this is why I like this topic, right? We live in a world where you have more currencies available to you and you can use them just through your technology, through your device, right? Cell phones are reasonably inexpensive, right? And have really populated the world. Now, in the United States, we don't use blockchain technology as much. We don't use digital currencies. We don't use Bitcoin as much. Why? Because we have a banking system that meets most of our needs. That is not the case in, in parts of the other parts of the world. Venezuela does not have a stable currency or near stable currency. They do not have a good banking infrastructure. Blockchain technology, Bitcoin, and other digital coins are really doing a good job to help people transfer wealth, be able to exchange money or exchange their wealth so that they can have the goods to live and survive. Similarly, like blockchain technology can't get blocked by any sort of mm, censorship, right? It's very, very difficult to block blockchain technology, you know, and Bitcoin and these other coins that are out there, you know, through censorship. So like if I wanted to buy, let's say there was a band, right? I wanted to buy an MP3 from a band in Iran, okay? I can't do that legally using the US dollar. But I could if that band had a way of me being able to pay with Bitcoin or some other coin, I would be able to do it with that other digital currency. And that's cool. That helps to connect us more, right? So governments cannot get along, but people should get along and we should be able to transact with whoever we want to. Now YouTube updated their algorithm. They updated their algorithm so that way the people who had been making a living, Talking about and keeping track of the news that is going on with this currency. Because remember, the US dollars as a as a currency goes is not very responsive to market needs, right? It is responsive, but it's responsive through a whole lot of filters. It's very methodical, it's very thought out. Some would argue that it's not a the best system, regardless, right? In the the digital currencies respond to market. information very, very quickly. And so a group of YouTubers have been sharing that market information out there. YouTube updated their algorithm to block and ban nearly all of them. Nearly all of them. And it's so amazing to me that this happened. So it happened on like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and it has since been resolved. But let me talk to you about how this impacts flow feedback and continuous learning. What they were looking to do was Block those channels, or we perceive that they were trying to block the channels that were giving financial advice, right? Hey, you should subscribe to this currency or that currency or something else like that, right? And then when you have enough users do that in a currency base that's small, it manipulates the currency value of that market. And so doing that would cause problems. And so they updated their algorithm in a way that unfortunately caught people who were like, hey guys, here's what's new in cryptocurrency this week, you know, and just sharing the news. And so, by doing that and blocking those channels and and minimizing their ability to make money and produce, YouTube actually sent a big notice and a message and a notification to their content providers, right? So we have flow feedback and continuous learning. YouTube learned, they got a lot of feedback, and they were able to resolve the issue and reinstate people's accounts. However, all of those accounts, right, getting accidentally blocked, especially around the holidays right when they weren't able when the flow feedback and continuous learning loops are not as as quick as you would like them to be right people do take vacation so all of those youtubers just got a notice just got notified right their information their feedback information loop told them that youtube has the ability to remove all of the work that they've been doing for the past several years now if you were to get a message at your work that all of the work that you'd been doing for the last several years would have been categorically rejected, how would that make you feel? What do you think you would do with it? And so flow feedback and continuous learning doesn't just apply to one entity in a system, it applies to all of the entities in the system. It shows how they are all connected together. And so while YouTube may have responded and learned and is growing, we do have the fact that they have just notified a large and influential base of people who make content that their content could be suspect in the future. And what do you think you would do with that? Where do you think you would go? Do you think you would stay on that one platform or do you just think that you would minimize the risk of losing that opportunity and start to distribute on other platforms? I I think I would distribute elsewhere. this show is distributed in several platforms. Instagram, because it's fun. That's where I've got my family, so they can keep abreast of what I'm doing, right? YouTube, yeah, of course, it's got the largest viewership that's out there. Why wouldn't it be on YouTube? You know, it's also on a few other um, avenues and things like that. And and wouldn't you do that as well to minimize risk? So this will be an interesting move as we move into 2020. This is gonna be very interesting to watch how flow feedback and continuous learning are being applied by both YouTube on their side and also the content creators on theirs. And I think it's going to be a pretty interesting one to watch. And I'm grateful that we have this opportunity. I mean, I grew up where you had six or seven television channels and you were considered good, right? Now we have channels for all of these topics. Nobody would have ever covered cryptocurrency where they're generating hundreds of hours of information on content, you know, a day on what cryptocurrency is doing. And cryptocurrency would have never existed. It exists now. We have more than one currency. We have more than one way to access our shows. I read the newspaper yesterday in Lethbridge. Oh my goodness, let me tell you, none of the news I would ever care about would ever make it through the editorial process to be in print. It just wouldn't. Because I care about these small things in the world that the rest of the world doesn't tend to really see. The pockets of how humanity improves. And a lot of that is in the tech space, but a lot of it is just with people. And the editorial process of how you get stuff into print doesn't cover that. What a world we live in where you can go find that. My Twitter feed is one of the happiest places on earth. Absolutely. A lot of people will talk about Twitter not being very happy. Mine, not so much. I follow some amazing people on Twitter and the things that they do in life have me laughing and having fun. And now let's get on to our curiosity spotlight because we use Twitter as a platform to do that. So our curiosity spotlight, I reached out to a gentleman named Hugh. He is a sysadmin, right? And I asked him how curiosity has helped him in his career. Pretty simple question but you ought to ask yourself that question. And If you want to tell me how curiosity has helped you out in your career or in your life, you can reach out to me on Twitter or any of the other platforms that we're on, but Twitter's a good one. You can find us at Parking Thought. He responded back and said, "'Oh boy, that's a great question.' It's also hard for him to answer. He said, "'It's been at the core of my career.'" And then he explained that he's been doing IT since he was 14, And before that, it was just figuring out how things worked. And so he grew into computers and curiosity has pushed him further and further. And I love that, right? How many of us have taken what we're curious about and then applied that into where we are? Now, the other beautiful part of this here is even if you're someplace where you don't like to be, if you start being curious and asking good questions, you can build where you are into someplace that is a lot of fun and a lot more fun Um, just by seeing the beautiful, wonderful, great things that are in the world around you. Well, let's wrap this up. This is the part of the show where I tell you that the best way to say thank you for this episode isn't to support us on Patreon, because that's not a thing. It's actually to share it with somebody else. Yes, the best way to say thank you for this episode is to share it with somebody else. And if you're joining us for the first time or only for this episode, we're glad you can make it. Want to stick around for the long haul? Then remember, this podcast can be delivered directly to your favorite device by using the subscribe links you can find in the show notes or over at parkingthought.com. We're also on the YouTube, the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and LBRY.tv. And remember, in a world where you can literally choose to be anything, why not choose to be grateful?